Hey, good morning, MRCC. Isn't it a beautiful day? Yeah? Okay, let's try that one more time. In Kids Church, if I have to say it a second time, it's because I didn't get enough response. Isn't it a beautiful day? Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry you have to put up with me, but I just, I need a little response back. I'm just here to give announcements, actually. That's all. So, you know, I'm just going to be here for a couple minutes. But uh, I just want to share with you um, all the things that are coming up. You guys, there's a lot of fun things. It's winter time, right? You think, what's going on in January? Well, the seniors, they have a thing going on in January. The youth have a, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. If you have a youth age student, that's sixth grade to 12th grade, uh, they go to winter camp and it's next weekend. It's over MLK weekend. So they actually leave Saturday. They come back on Monday. Uh, they go to Ellensburg. So hopefully there's snow and uh, they can go out there. I think there might be right now, but we'll see. <laughs> but the truth is, it's just a really great opportunity to get away for your kids to have, especially during this season, it's such a great opportunity to go meet with Jesus in a different way, right? Uh, with your friends, uh, with our, our youth staff, and they're ready to go. Sign-ups do close on Tuesday. So you see that little QR code on the back of your seat? If you scan that, you can get all the information you didn't know that I didn't tell you yet uh, about winter camp, about anything that's going on uh, around the grounds here. But I just want to make sure I point that out. And then also, if you have, if you are faithfully following Jesus, you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and if you've never been baptized, uh, we're going to have baptismal services on the 22nd of January, and we just invite you, if you would sign up, that way we can call you, give you all the information about what that looks like, uh, so that we can celebrate with you in your walk with Christ, and uh, on this baptismal service, it's just going to, it's one of my favorite Sundays. We actually bring the kids in, and uh, they get to be a part of it. It's a whole family thing, right? We celebrate as a family those who, are, who have chosen to walk with Jesus. So if you have kids, uh, typically come and chat with me, your kid's pastor. If you have youth, maybe check in with Pastor Tyler and just talk about, are your kids even ready for that as well? Uh, we'll talk with you about it. And then uh, just a couple more things. Tomorrow is Sisters of Strength. So ladies, uh, it's an opportunity for you to come connect, fellowship with each other, have dinner together so you don't have to make dinner. You can let the rest of the family fend for themselves. Amen? Yeah? <laughs> and then just two last things. These are just kind of fun things I like to sh talk about is uh, we had a membership class not long ago. And what, what that entails is going to three different classes to learn about just MRCC, but also basics in faith and how things happen around here. It's just, it's an awesome membership. Look at all those names up there. There was 45 to 50 people. I want to say 48 maybe names up there. Isn't that amazing? Um, if you are one of those people and you're here, would you stand up for a minute? We just want to acknowledge that you have joined the MRCC family. Don't be shy. Come on, stand up with us. We want you to be here. It's a big deal. <laughs> this is your church family, and we love it. If you... I love it. I love it. I love it. We'll stay here all day. Can I actually pray for our church family? God, I'm so thankful for those that have walked this journey to be a part of their church family. I pray, Lord, that you'd find a place for them to feel really connected here, whether they're serving somewhere or part of a small group. God, we just are so thankful that our church is growing and that we get to be a part of something so awesome. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love it. So if you didn't get a chance to be a part of those membership classes, there will be other cycles. We usually do those at least a couple times a year. So the next time that comes around, feel free to be a part of that. It really is fun when our church family grows and, and we get to, it just feels more like family when you've been a part of that membership class. And then lastly, um, Pastor Darius is going to come up and preach. And I just wanted to share with you, this week was a little bit crazy. Just wanted you to know, Pastor Greg was in the hospital this week, but he's not anymore. Amen. 
Amen. And I, I actually want you to go look at his Facebook page because that's my favorite part. He, it was a gallbladder thing, but he was throwing up and he thought he was sick, like, you know, flu, because everybody gets the flu this time of year. And it wasn't the flu. So he went to the doctor. They, they're taking care of him. And right now he's obeying his wife and his doctor. And <laughs> he would rather be here preaching. I'll tell you that much right now. It was kind of a battle all week. He was like, man, I really want to be there to preach. But then he'd still be throwing up. So we don't really want him doing that here <laughs> right so anyway um but in all seriousness he really is on the menu is really getting better but if you read the facebook post it's awesome because some people are like get the gallbladder out and other people are like keep it so you can give him your advice on facebook okay and uh right now he's doing his best to try and keep it so you can try and convince him otherwise uh, outside of that though pastor darius will you come up and bring the word thanks Yes, keep going. They never clap long enough for me. I'm very, very much kidding. The, any clapping is uh, too much clapping. So stop it. Uh, I just want to say really quick a couple things. Really quick. Thank you. Can we just can we celebrate the people who are patiently sitting in the lobby uh, this morning? Why were you so hesitant to clap for that? One person in the middle looked around and went. Anyway, thank you so much for the people. Who, if you don't know, there's a bunch of people that had to sit in the lobby because we're packed this morning. So that's what I meant. It's, no, no, don't clap now. You missed it. You know, get brownie points for it. Okay. Anyway, so thank you for those of you who are in the lobby and being patient. We love you, and uh, we wish you were in here with us. It's so much more fun in here. So <laughs> it's not. It's just easier to leave when you get tired of my sermon. Hey. Okay, a uh, couple other things. First, uh, I'm Pastor Darius. My first name is not Pastor. My first name is just Darius. I'm Darius, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Rainier Christian Center. So um, I, I love being a part of God's church. I love being a part of God's people, and I'm thankful to be here this morning. Uh, the second thing is my mom's birthday was on Friday. So mom, if you're watching this now or later, happy birthday. I love you so much. So yeah, you guys are trying so hard because you messed up the first one. All morning, it's just going to be, should we do it now? <laughs> I love this. I love you guys so much. You guys are amazing. Um, so the last thing that I need to do is I just, I just felt um, during worship, and I told the first service this, when we started singing, uh, what can wash away my sin? I was just so moved and overwhelmed. And there's a, I, I told the first service this, I never know immediately or generally don't know immediately if they're like, dang, this is good music goosebumps or if they're Holy Spirit goosebumps. Because like there's both. And sometimes at home, I listen to Kiss from a Rose by Seal and I get the same sort of goosebumps. It's a really good song. <laughs> Did you know that? Anyway, um, but I will say this. I will say this. This morning during worship, I felt like the spirit of God was moving. And he doesn't need music to move. He doesn't need the band to be good to move. It just happened to coincide this morning, I think, that the band was awesome this morning and the spirit of God is moving. I just felt impressed like we could not move forward without taking a moment to pray because there are people in this room today 
who are waiting on God for a breakthrough. And we are praying that the spirit and the presence of the living God who is here today in this room is working things out for your good. There are people in this room who are hurting, who are grieving, who are lost and broken. And God is here in this room this morning to welcome you home like the father welcoming a prodigal son. He's in the room this morning. The spirit and presence of God wants to remind you today that the work on the cross is finished, that he has died to save you. He's rose again to have victory over your sin and over your death. And his goodness is waiting for you to respond today. As a matter of fact, it's not waiting. It's chasing you down this morning. So I pray in Jesus' name. We, we lift up Greg, and we pray that there would be healing in his body in the name of Jesus. We pray that his gallbladder would get better so he can keep eating fast food in the name of Jesus. We pray for people who need physical healing in this room this morning, and people who need the whole, man, when we sing that, God, when we sing, what can make me whole Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you are feeling unwhole this morning, I want to promise you there is nothing that brings wholeness and healing like the finished work in the name of our God, Jesus. So we seal that with the blood of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Just didn't want to move forward without doing that. Um, <clears throat> if you want to write down a title for the message, you can. It's, just, it's waiting because I am I'm like really creative with some things, not coloring or drawing, um, not really music. That, you know what? We're not going to list that. It's, I promise there might be something I'm creative at. Writing sermon titles, not the one. So the sermon title is just waiting. Okay. We're going to dive into Isaiah chapter 64. I would encourage you this week to go to your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, download the Bible app on your phone. If you don't have a smartphone or a Bible, there's probably other stuff we need to address first. But I will give you a free Bible before you leave church today. Uh, if you need one, for real, uh, just come find me. We'll find you a free Bible. We have some in the lobby. Um, and read Isaiah chapter 64 in its entirety. I, I, I don't like to just cherry pick scripture and just try to come up with some way to make a scripture fit a message. As a matter of fact, I would never do that because I would be afraid. <laughs> I would be afraid to do that. However, this morning we are just looking at two verses out of the chapter Isaiah 64 in the Bible. So go home this week and read it on your own. It's a really powerful book of the Bible as all of God's word is living and active. It's a powerful chapter um, and there's a lot of stuff going on. So feel free to jump into that. But today we're just looking at verse three and four. Isaiah chapter 64, verse three and verse four. So here's what it is. I'm gonna say it out loud. I think it's on the screen behind me. When you did awesome things that no one looked for, we're addressing God here. God, when you did awesome things that no one looked for, no one expected, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. I don't know if this means anything to any of you today, but I am glad that I have a God and a Savior that shakes mountains when I am in need. That when he comes into the picture, the mountains in my heart start to shake and the mountains in my life start to shake because our God is capable of moving and shaking anything. The mountains quake at your presence, it says. It says, from of old, no one has perceived by the ear no one has seen. 
In other words, no one's heard of or seen a God besides you who acts on behalf of those, who acts for those who wait for him. This morning, I want to talk about waiting. God, we just want to welcome you in this place this morning, that those of us who are waiting, who are waiting, that we would see the face of Jesus today in the midst of our waiting in your name. Amen. Uh, I know I talk about this a lot, so bear with me. I promise this is not just like a stupid story I'm telling for no reason, okay? Um, But my wife and I, we go to uh, Disney's like do some Disney thing pretty much every year. And um, I have come to learn, we've been married 12 years. Wow, okay, you can clap for the other random stuff, not that. No, 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 One, two, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Literally, I only did that to mess with you. Um, but we've been married for 12 years and pretty much every year we go do a Disney thing. My wife saved up all of her money that she had like saved up from high school and then saved up money and then we took we used some of her scholarship money for college and my wife is wicked smart. And uh, we used some of that money. We went to Disneyland for our honeymoon. We had, we were completely flat out broke and we spent all of our money on, that tells you something about us. Anyway, so pretty much every year we'll go do a Disney thing and people will say to me, is it, isn't it weird going to Disney without kids? And I will say, I don't know. Never been to Disney with those little monsters, so I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we don't have any children is my point. They're not monsters. They're, they're, the kids are great. Okay. Um, and I'll, I don't know, but I do know that we get around a lot faster than moms with strollers. That's what I know. It's like if I need to cut in front of them, it's, it's really easy. But I've learned that I've learned that vacation for us has become a series of waiting. And this, the, I had to, I flew to Montana recently, and it was the first time that I actually considered buying the TSA pre-check garbage, because I always thought it was like for rich people. It's only $18 a year. Why do we not all have it? I don't understand. Anyway, maybe some of you can't have it. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's none of my business. And we wait in line, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and I like to show up to the airport at the last minute, so it's always stressful to just wait in line for security. And then we get through security, and because my wife always says this, she says, I don't understand the people who want to be in the long line to be the first on the plane, but then they're rushing to be the first off. She was like, either you like being on the plane, or you don't like being on the plane. You have to decide. But we just wait in that long line just to get in that flying tube of lipstick where we're all crammed in like sardines. And then we wait in line, and I'm over six feet tall, so I can't stand up in my seat without breaking my neck. And you just stand there waiting like this for about five minutes for, to get out. And then, because we're going to Disney, we get to Disney, and you know what we do? We wait. And we, got, we get up, and to get in the park, we wait. And then we get in the park, and we're like, finally, we're here. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? We should go wait in line. And then we go get in the line, and we wait. And if you can imagine me looking any more dorky than I look now, just close your eyes and imagine me with Mickey ears on. And it's miraculously even more dorky. And so we're waiting in line. And every 10 minutes we do this. And then after like 30 or 40 minutes of waiting, we ride a three-minute ride. And three minutes are the long ones. And then you know what we do? We get off that and we go, wow, that was awesome. You know what we should do? No, eat. 
No, I'm kidding. Yes, wait. And so then we go wait for another one. And then when it's time to eat, we go wait in line because there's 100,000 people all trying to get the same corn dog or churro from the same cart and we wait. But the reason that we go and we wait is because we know that in all of the waiting, there's something worth waiting for. Waiting is one of the main themes of the Bible. And and I don't mean that to be like funny. Jesus is the center and the main figure of the Bible. And one of the things that the Bible is constantly reminding us is that Jesus is inviting us on a journey of waiting with him. In the very beginning of Genesis, here's what happens is Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden and they are immediately waiting. God says, one day you'll bring forth a savior. He will crush the serpent's head, even though the serpent bruises his heel. And from that point on, humanity is waiting for a savior. All of the Old Testament is built on this idea that we are waiting for our salvation in God to come. The New Testament begins with the unexpected birth of Jesus because people have been waiting for the Savior's birth. Jesus tells his disciples the last recorded words of Jesus. I think this is probably significant. The last recorded words of our Savior are, bless you, are, Go to Jerusalem and wait on me. Wait for me because I'm not done working yet. And man, that's a word for someone this morning. You, God is not done working in you. He's not done transforming you. He's not done growing you. He's not done changing you. He's not done healing you. He's not done working through you. He's not done with his mission. God is wanting you to wait on what he still has yet to fulfill what he has already finished and accomplished on the cross. Waiting is what causes Waiting is what causes a a husband and wife to paint the nursery when they're pregnant with a child. They are waiting in anticipation. They're waiting because even though they know that they can't see what's growing, they know that what is unseen will be greater than what is currently seen. And so they work and they prepare and they get the rocking chair and they put together that stupid Ikea furniture and they wait because the promise is better than what they can visibly see in the moment. Uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman, he is uh, he's a very, very popular podcaster, also a PhD. Uh, he has a doctorate in neuroscience. And he says that um, they, they've studied people's brains to find out what is the most intense neurological experience people have like, without drugs. Uh, what is the, the experience that stimulates the brain the most? You know what it is? It is literally anticipation when people are anticipating, when we are, we are wired to anticipate for our neurons to fire off like crazy when we are waiting for something. And I wonder if there are believers in this house today that know the power of anticipating that God is going to do more. 
of anticipating that God is not done with someone's family, of anticipating that God is not finished with someone's healing, of anticipating that God is going to baptize more people this year, reach more people this year, that God's mission is going to go out into new places this year, that God is gonna create new ministries this year, that God is not done working in our life this year. I think some of us know the power of anticipating because our Savior is so big that we couldn't anticipate enough. I used to wait on tables and I was not good at it. I was great with people. I was really, really like good with people. Except for one time I told this little five-year-old kid that he looked like Wolverine because he was going like this. I said, dang, dude, you look like Wolverine. And he went, (laughs) I guess he hated Hugh Jackman. I have no idea to this day why he cried. But anyway, I was good with people. I wasn't good um, I wasn't good at the routine of it. I'm just, I'm not like a good multitasker. I'm also not a great single tasker. So do with that what you will. But I wasn't good. <clears throat> My younger brother is a server and he makes more money than I probably will ever make waiting tables because he's really good at it. And what you're supposed to do is you have like a route and you go to the kitchen And then you make a loop with all your tables. And every time you make the loop, you check on every table. And me, I'm a smart guy. And I thought, we'll save time. Instead of going like this quickly, we'll go like this. (laughs) And never get anything done. (laughs) And so when one table, if I came to them twice and they would say, and they would say, uh, we're not sure yet. I'd come around and they'd say, I'm not sure yet. In my mind, I would say, you're dead to me. <laughs> not intentionally, but like, not intentionally, but because I perceived that there was no reason to go back there, I would just never go back. I would just forget they existed. My manager would be living. He'd be like, what's going on with table 17? And I would be like, what's table 17? Who has it? Let's get to the bottom of this. It's my table. What you're supposed to do is go back and back and back because there is a promise of an order that is going to come in. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you found yourself spiritually in the same place as me, where you've stopped going back to the table that God has called you to, if you stop going back to the place where God said, I'm going to do something, but I want you to be faithful with me. I want you to wait with me. I want you to wait on me. Maybe today it's time to return to the table because just because the order has not come in yet does not mean that God is not ordering more for you. When I say more, I don't mean more money. I don't mean more success. I don't mean more happiness. What I mean is more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more self-control. These are called the fruit of God's spirit. They are what God promises to produce in us when we wait on him because our savior died and rose again that we could produce fruit with him. The table is still waiting for you to return. So now that the mini pre-sermon is done, we're gonna jump into the real sermon. Y'all ready? Good. We've got an hour and 15 minutes left. I hope you're ready. Buckle in. It's all about the family. 
That's from Fast and the Furious. Isaiah chapter 64, <clears throat> verse 3 and 4, it says, when you came down, you did awesome things that no one looked for. When you came down, you did awesome things that no one expected. There is power in the element of surprise. Parents, you could say amen. Yeah, sneak up on those kids. I'm just guessing. I learned this. I learned uh, people say this about um, their children. And again, I don't have any kids. I, kids are awesome. And I would love for God to give me and my wife kids. We're, we're waiting on him and it's good. Um, but I don't have any. And so I don't understand fully things that parents say sometimes. Like parents will say, you know, they don't come with a manual. And I will say, where would the manual come from? <laughs> supposed to grow with it? Anyway. But, but really, I just don't, I don't have kids, but I am married. And here's what I know. If you really screw up with your kid, you could make another one. It's just an idea. But you really screw up with your spouse? You're back to square one. And when you are me, that is not a place you want to be. So I think we should skip the manuals for kids, and I'm voting on manuals for spouses. Who's with me? Okay. The men should be saying that. Anyway. <clears throat> I figured mine out, though, and I cracked my code. The manual for my wife is just a small pamphlet that says, give her surprises. That's it. And I cracked the code because my wife loves surprises. And I learned this. It only took me 12 years, so I'm a pretty quick learner. It, and I learned this through trial and error. But what I figured out is a little surprise is infinitely better than an expensive or immaculate thing that everyone knows is going to happen. So what I've learned to do is when my wife, she works from home and she's on a Zoom meeting, I will bring my wife a small dish of goldfish and I'll hand them to her like it's the greatest gift anyone's ever received. Be blessed, my lady. And she, you think I'm kidding, but she will smile so big that it lights up the room. And it's just, don't tell her this, it's just freaking goldfish. And she loves it. Um, I will surprise, like date night is not hard. All I have to do is surprise her. We could be going to McDonald's, but as long as she doesn't know we're going to McDonald's, it's a huge win. Surprises impact people. My older brother, um, he is rich. Uh, I don't know if, what the right term is. He has a lot of money. He works on Wall Street, and he works really hard, and he worked really hard to get there, and uh, he's a really cool dude, but he has a lot of money. And uh, which, <laughs> anyway, he, uh, from time to time, just gives me random stuff. And it's always a surprise. We don't do Christmas gifts. We don't do birthday gifts because, like, he doesn't like the obligation. I think it makes him anxious. But instead, like, a couple weeks before Christmas or a month before Christmas, like, hey, here's a random, you know, expensive thing I bought. I don't want it anywhere. You can have it or whatever. Like, is this a Christmas gift? No, no, no. It's just a thing I'm trying to get rid of. Okay. You want to get rid of an Apple Watch that's brand new? Okay. And I don't know what's going on in my brother's life all the time between gifts. We talk all the time, but like, but he'll randomly call me. This week, he called me and said, hey man, I've got free plane tickets. It's just these vouchers or whatever, because I have to fly a million miles because I'm awesome or whatever. But, <laughs> but if you want this free flight voucher, you can have it. 
And I was like, yeah, I'll come visit you with the free plane ticket. And I, here's the funny thing is that I don't see any of this, but my brother wakes up early every morning, gets dressed nicely because he works in finance, puts on sometimes an expensive suit, sometimes not. And then he goes to a job that was very difficult to get that very few people can do. And he does that job for hours and hours and hours. And he does that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and sometimes Saturdays and Sundays. I don't ever see all of the work that goes into it. All I know is that randomly I get gifts. And I think sometimes we get into a season where we think we're in a dry season with God, but we don't realize that he's working every day for your favor. And again, I don't mean your money and I don't mean your things, but I mean every day God is working things together to bring you wholeness and healing. And every day he's working things that you can't see and I can't see behind the scenes. And he gets up and he goes and he does the work because God is working for your good, Romans tells us, that God is working working in the unknown ways to bring healing to you and through you. And some of us, we've been waiting and wondering when God is going to speak. And I want to remind you, God is not working on Wall Street. He's working on the streets of heaven. He's not working on a trading floor. He's working on a praying floor to accomplish his express will in our lives. Whether we see it or not, God is working. The time we are waiting is not time we are wasting. But I'm wondering if we could just commit this year to anticipating God to surprise us. If we could work this year to anticipate that God will do more than we can imagine. If we could anticipate this year that God will bring healing where you are grieving. If we can anticipate this year that in an unknown way, God will step in where you're mourning and he'll comfort you. That we can anticipate this year that where you are angry like I was for years and years and years, that God would come in and he would bring peace. If we can anticipate that in our family, God is not done conforming us to his image. I wonder if this year we could anticipate the surprising work of God. I've got two workout buddies, and uh, they're both Christian dudes, uh, which is good, but I also probably should start working out with some people who um, don't know Jesus, because that probably would be good for me. And um, anyway, point being, they're awesome guys. I love working out with them. They're really cool. They're great brothers. And um, I just am just getting to know them because we started working out together in November. One of them, <clears throat> I won't say his name because I didn't ask for his permission to say his name um, for the story, but um, the three of us have been doing a Bible study at the gym together. We're studying the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> okay, you're welcome. Anyway, he texts me. He is 43, and like most guys in their early 40s, they think that their bodies are still in their early 20s. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I'm just teasing. And um, he went up to ski the first day of uh, Crystal Mountain's opening. And he blew up his knee. Every tendon was thrashed. Everything was ripped open. Every, everything. He, and he texted us and he said, hey, guys, I won't be at the gym this week uh, anymore. Um, I completely blew my knee. So we immediately texted back, right? We were like, you're a wuss. Come to the gym. Because <laughs> we're good friends. And... <clears throat> And then, and then after we kind of gave him a hard time, we, I, I just genuinely, guys, I felt the spirit of God say, 
I just want you to believe for healing for him. And I was like, okay, fine. I barely knew this guy. This was like right after we started working out together. I don't really know if he likes me or not at all. We're just kind of lifting weights quietly together. And I texted him back and I said, hey, dude, um, I just, I'm believing that God's gonna completely heal your knee. And maybe, you know, I hold that with an open hand. Whatever he does, he does. But I'm, I said, I'm just believing for that and it'll be cool. And you know what? The whole time I was like, if the, if the miracle comes from a surgeon healing him, praise God. Without God, there would be no surgeons. There would be no medical technology. There would be no hospitals. Most of the hospitals in the Western world, by the way, are here because of Christianity. So anyway, my point being, I was like, hey, however this happens, maybe it's just a little thing or maybe it's just peace. I was like, maybe I'm just gonna pray for him so that he would be encouraged or I would be encouraged or whatever. So the next week, he's like, hey, guys, I got like a scan done, and it is worse than I thought. Like, it's completely, completely just done. And then and then we're like, okay, well, we're still praying for you and believing for you, man. I'm so sorry. We love you, dude. And then um, he goes to another surgeon appointment, and they tell him what he's going to have surgery. And he goes to a different church, and he goes to church this last Sunday, the first Sunday of 2023, and he calls me after church, and he goes, dude, some woman just came up. Asked me and my wife if she could pray for my knee at church. Started speaking in tongues, which was really weird. And all of a sudden, all the pain in my knee was gone. And I was like, that's so cool. If it's like an adrenaline thing, make sure you ask your doctor before you start like doing backflips or going skiing, right? Because like just, we just, we want to be safe. We want to make sure that we're like checking things thoroughly. We, we believe in God. We trust God. We're just going to check. And uh, he goes to the doctor, and we see him at the gym that week. And I kid you not, he's like got a brace on and he's like walking. And we're like, I'm pretty sure you shouldn't be doing that. And he calls me on Thursday because he went to the surgeon and the surgeon takes his left knee that was injured and starts cranking on it. He's doing like a pre-operation appointment, right? Cranking on it, moving it, twisting it. He does that for a few minutes. And he said, again, this is hearsay because I heard this from someone. I wish I could have him here to tell you the story, but unfortunately I don't. He says the doctor grabs his other leg and starts cranking on it, jacking on it, and moving it in all weird directions. And he says, he said, the, the surgeon goes, okay, well, um, we're, we want to make sure that this, before he started working on it, he goes, we want to make sure that your bad knee is flexible too. And he goes, no, the first knee that you were cranking on, that's my bad knee. And the surgeon is like, mm, okay, well, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> As you like, and so the surgeon does another scan and they take the images and this is what he said. He says, they take the images and look at them and that the surgeon goes, dude, this is incredibly amazing. All of your tendons, except for your ACL, and there's like a thousand, I don't know what they are. It was all of your tendons, except for your ACL have like reattached and they're growing. In the first image, they're separated. In this image, they're already practically healed, but you have one tendon that's not yet healed. He goes, he goes, I'm not sure what happened, but this is really not medically possible. And my friend goes, um, I went to church and some lady spoke in tongues and prayed on her name, me. And the surgeon goes, must be a really good church. <laughs> now, again, I wish I could have my friend here to tell the story, but we don't this morning. My point is, though, God is in the business of surprising me. And, man, can I tell you, this is hard for me because... Um, I like preaching these exciting, rah-rah moments. But there are people watching online maybe or sitting in the room maybe who hear all this and they think, well, that's really cool that we can wait on God. But I've been waiting for years 
and I'm still depressed. And I've been waiting for years and I'm still traumatized. I've been waiting for years and I still don't have an answer about why my child died. I've been waiting for years and I'm still hurting and I'm still in pain. My wife, she has an extremely hard time when the sun goes down. She has um, she diagnosed when she was a kid with post-traumatic stress disorder. With most people that have post-traumatic stress disorder, their circadian rhythm gets messed up because their cortisol levels don't go down when the sun goes down. It just means that their body heightens their stress at night for whatever reason. It's very common. When my wife was little, she... We worked on, like, the right way to say this today. Um, she didn't have a safe place to sleep. So, like, when she was really little, there was, like, not a safe environment to sleep in. And so... Um, for the rest of her childhood, she would lay in bed and just wait for, for someone like safe to come and help her go to sleep. And so today she's an adult, she's in her thirties and she will still go to bed and just have that sense and feeling of just waiting and waiting. And God, there've been miraculous breakthroughs. I've watched God do miracles and I, just to be honest with you, my wife sleeping and like falling asleep is a miracle. There were, there were years of our life where we would just lay in bed and I would just like eat hot Cheetos and like put my fingers in my eyes with like spicy food to just like try to stay awake so that my wife wasn't alone. She would just stay awake and lay there until like 4 a.m. And then I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up at 7 to go to work. And it's miraculous every time my wife has a good night's sleep. And I'm telling you that I understand that it's hard to wait for things. I do. It's not just like a trite, Jesus will fix it. But I do believe that in the name of Jesus, our God came, died, rose again, and, and did everything that he did for, because he wanted to give us wholeness. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I remember waiting. Years ago, I was angry and bitter and depressed, and I wanted to kill myself for years. And I remember we decided, my wife and I, to go, and I told, I was working at church, and I told my pastor, I, gotta, I have to go away and get some healing. If my job's here when I get back, that's awesome. If it's not, I understand. And we just waited on God to bring healing to the things that were broken. And it's still an ongoing process, but can I tell you that our God is for your wholeness. He's asking you to submit to him, to give your life to him, to say yes to his love and his joy and his hope as your savior so that he can wait with you. Our God's promise in John um, 14 is that he'll send a, a presence and a spirit to be with you, to walk with you to the end of the age, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. So I beg you today, if you're having a hard time waiting, to invite Jesus to wait with you because he's a good and perfect savior. And it's to his, his desire to wait with you on the healing that he's working out for your good. The second point is this. That's two sermons I preach now and we're on the second point. So let's go. The second point is this. Um, 
is that we wait for something different. The first thing is that we wait for surprises. The second thing is we wait for something different. <clears throat> Isaiah 64, 3 and 4, it says, No one has perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those that wait for him. What does it say? No one has seen or heard a God like you. There is no God like you. Here's how Jesus says it. I love this. I love when people say, and I get it, <clears throat> but people will, people who are very like, curious or um, not sure about Jesus. They'd be like, well, Jesus didn't really claim to be God. And I'm like, cool. Maybe read the book of John. I get it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is different than anyone else. One of my favorite moments in the Old Testament is in 1 Kings chapter 18. Well, here's what happens. Is this guy named Elijah God, God tells him to set up a battle royale against the prophets of this of Baal, this other god. And at this time, the king had had turned to these these other gods. The king's advisor was encouraging him to turn to these other gods. Her name was Jezebel, and they had all these prophets that worship this other god. And uh, God was trying to turn the hearts of his children back to him. So God says, Elijah, challenge them to a, a competition on the most delicious mountain of all time, Mount Carmel. It's in the Bible. You can go and read it. And so they meet at Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal start dancing and doing a seance. And, and you have to realize it's easy for us to read this in, in our time and read this, if you've read 1 Kings chapter 18, and read it and kind of laugh at and kind of think how, how stupid or how foolish are these prophets of Baal. But you also have to remember these prophets that are worshiping this God are under the oppression of the thing that they're worshiping. They've lived in a society where their, their societal religion has taught them to cut themselves and hurt themselves as an act of worship. And I, I am I'm so far from even comparing that to anything that's going on today in this moment right now. What I am saying is um, we, we have to take a step back sometimes and realize that the people in scripture who are defective and against God, some of them are also people that God was trying to save <laughs> And there was oppression these people were under. But anyway, back to the story. Um, Elijah's watching them. And Elijah is um, feeling pretty sassy. And it's the most French moment in all of the Bible. Because Elijah watches these prophets uh, trying to like do their worship thing. And the, the, the competition was whoever's God um, consumes the altar, the sacrifice they put, whoever's God consumes it with fire, those people win. So they're dancing and there's no fire and they're dancing and there's no fire and they're cutting themselves and hurting themselves and there's no fire. And Elijah from the sideline, very French, goes, oh, maybe your God is relieving himself right now. <laughs> this is really in the Bible. You can go and read it. Not the French accent, but you can read it in the French accent. That's up to you. He goes, maybe your God is off somewhere musing or thinking about something or maybe he is going number one. And like, this is literally what Elijah's doing. And then Elijah goes and takes his turn and he says, my God is different. So he drenches the altar with water and he pours water around the altar and he prays and God comes and consumes the altar. And the point of this is that God is different than the other gods. He has power that the other gods do not have to save. He has authority that the other gods do not have to bring hope and healing. And I'm, I'm begging you today, if yourself 
is the idol in your life and you think that you can save yourself with your work ethic or your morals, it is the biggest American idol is our worship of our own ability. And I'm begging you today to turn to a God that can save you because I've never met a person who can fix themselves or save themselves. I just haven't. But I know a God that can make all things right. I know a God who died and rose again to bring hope and to bring healing. If your idol is substance that you're abusing and you are enslaved to an idol that you worship to numb your pain, I get it. I am very, very close with some individuals who are, who struggle under the oppression of substance abuse. I understand. But our God is different than that. Because when our God numbs the pain, he doesn't numb the good things as well. Our God addresses and heals the pain instead of numbing it so that in the morning you can feel it again. And if, you're, if your God is money or success and you keep coming up empty thinking that it's gonna make your family whole if there's more money or it's gonna make you feel like you are not a failure if there's more success. Can I promise you that our God is different than the other gods and where success and money and achievement and power fail to fill you, our God does not, will not, and cannot fail to bring your heart and your soul the contentedness and the peace that you've been searching for. Our God is different. The third thing is this, and it's really, really, really time to wrap up. I'm gonna have the keyboard player come and make me sound more spiritual while we end the message. It is what it is. The third thing is this, is we wait for the action. Isaiah 64, three and four, it says, at the end it says, no one has seen or heard a God like our God who acts for those who wait for him. This is one of my verses for the year of 2023. I like Bible verses, they're fun. They're powerful. They change me. Romans chapter five, verse three and five is one of my verses this year. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Here's the, the Greek word for endurance. It means experience. Suffering produces experience in our life. It's not this mental battle for you to endure more, but it's the experience of trusting God. Suffering produces experience worship. And that experience worship produces hope. And church, hope will not put us to shame. I'm hoping for you today for wholeness, for healing, for submission to the name of Jesus. Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. reading Lord of the Rings right now with my wife. We read every night before we fall asleep. That's our, one of our like little things we generally do. And I, I cannot encourage you enough. If you have not read Lord of the Rings, just watch the movies. <clears throat> they are long. <laughs> like if you think this sermon is long, read Fellowship of the Ring, suckers. But there's some scenes in the book that aren't in the movie, and for that reason, it's worth a read, if you like to read. And um, towards, the, towards the climax of the third book, there's a, 
there's this moment where there's this last fight and standout between good and evil. And what happens is the armies of the good guys, they throw everything that they can at this attacking darkness. As the darkness approaches, uh, it, the sky goes dark, the sunlight can't be seen, and the good guys throw their best wizard at them. And he's successful for a moment, but then it's not ultimately successful. And they throw the king of the, of the cavalry people, the horse riders at them, and he's successful for a moment, but then he gets struck down and killed. And they throw their best uh, woman warrior at them, and she's successful for a moment, and then she gets beaten. And, and everybody's throwing everything they can at the, at the armies of darkness. And, and ultimately, there's no more hope left. And then at the last moment, everyone turns to the river. And there's a, there's a whatever, armada of boats coming down. And everyone turns and sees the character who in the book is described as the king over every king. And as they see this guy coming, the king over every king, the sky, the clouds part, the light comes through. And they realize that this guy is bringing with him all the support they need to drive off. The armies of evil. And one of the characters says this. He says, there is nothing as good for the soul as unexpected hope. Can I tell you this morning, our God is the God who acts with unexpected hope. Our God is a God who steps in. When you do not believe that he will do it, he will do it. When you do not believe that God is still working in your life, he's working. When you've forgotten the goodness of God, he's drawing you again to his love and his fulfillment. Our God is a God that acts for those who wait for him. And man, the reason that me and my wife are willing to spend hours in line at Disneyland is because we know how good the experience is in the waiting. And I'm promising you right now that you may be in a line waiting for God to work, but do not give up because our Savior is perfect and good and whole and holy and working and powerful and above every name and over everything and has power and dominion now and forever and ever. Amen. The line that you are in is the right line. The line that you are waiting for at the end of it is the best thing. His name is Jesus. He does not fail. He cannot quit. He will not let us down. So Jesus, we put our hope in you today. Our only Savior, our only God, our only hope. Can I have everybody stand because it's definitely time to dismiss. We're gonna do two things. If you wouldn't mind closing your eyes with me for just a moment. If you're in this room today and you are waiting, you've been waiting for God to speak or you've been waiting for God to move or you've been waiting for God to bring breakthrough, would you just put your hands up right now? I want to pray with you all across this room. Yep, I see hands going up everywhere. Jesus. We pray in your name for children who are hurting. God, we pray for neighbors that, we're, that, that are being represented in this room. 
God, we pray in the name of Jesus for mental health that you would bring hope and healing and breakthrough. God, we pray for doctors who care and attend to these people, that your hand would be on them. God, we pray for hope in the name of Jesus and in no other name this morning. God, we thank you that hope will not put us to shame. Would you do this with me as well? If you don't mind, if you feel comfortable praying out loud, I'm going to ask you to do that right now. If you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, guess what? You don't have to. But man, if you feel comfortable praying out loud with me this morning, can we just pray?